Welcome to McChesney Unchained, a new show on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Before we jump into it, we want you to know that this is a little different than our other shows. Matt McChesney is going to give you an uncensored take on what's going on in the football world, and if you have kids around, you may want to listen to this at another time. McChesney's opinions do not represent those of BSN Denver, but they are real, and they come from a CU legend who spent six years battling in the NFL trenches. Now, sit back and enjoy the show. On a long and lonesome highway East of Omaha You can listen to the engines Moaning out as one old song Think about the woman, the girl you knew the night before. But your thoughts will soon be wandering the way they always do. When you're riding 16 hours. Welcome to episode 40 of McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Coming to you from 6-0 Studios here at 6-0 Strength and Fitness, 6-0 Football Academy. Remember, you can always check out the show uh, and the gym at 6-0 Academy on Twitter and Instagram or follow the show on Twitter at BSN Unchained. I am your host, Matt McChesney, as always, coming to you from the studio here at 6-0 Strength and Fitness. And uh, first and foremost, we'd like to say thank you to our main sponsor, 10th and Uni, this badass CU shirt that I'm wearing today. Uh, that's a 10th and Uni shirt right there, so make sure you check out 10thanduni.com. And they've got any and all your Buffalo gear, and they can hook you up for the season. 10thanuni.com, promo code GOBUFFS, and they are our title sponsor for the entire football season. So thank you uh, very much to them, our our good friend Morgan down there at 10th and Uni. So check them out. All right, right off the bat, um, it's going to be all football. We're going to go quick into it. We're going to get it done quick. Um, Episode 40, we hit you right off the bat with Adrian Peterson being broke as a fucking joke. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to laugh at a guy who made over $100 million in his career who's now broke. And if you are laughing at him, you're an asshole, and I hope you go broke. Um, That said, he obviously trusted some bad people, and people saw him as nothing more than just a, a dollar sign, and they took advantage of him. He probably didn't know what he was doing financially, like most of us don't. Uh, Professional athletes are not the most affluent people in the world when it comes to financials, to say the least. Um, so it, it, it just, it's gotten to the point where, yeah, ha, 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 Adrian Peterson blew all this money, blah, 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 don't want to be in that position. I kind of feel bad for the guy a little bit. Um, but at the same time, you know, he's at the end of his career, so his earning potential is shot. I'd like to think that he could find a way to recoup some of this and, and, and get on the right path, but I doubt it. So that sucks for Adrian Peterson. NFL players guard your fucking money like it's your life. Uh, be careful of snakes because they are literally everywhere. As a small business owner, I'm telling you, I've uh, I've encountered some real scumbags in my day, and I can only imagine what it's like for a, a first round draft pick, you know, superstar, future Hall of Famer like Adrian Peterson. Probably the best player I've ever played against in college, and he was a true freshman when I was a senior. Just destroyed us in the Big Twelve title game. One of the best running backs I've ever seen. Um, so the guy's special, and. Uh, yeah, he does. I don't know if he deserves this necessarily, but it's happening, so I guess he's got to deal with it. All right, uh, I saw a list earlier in the week of the top five dirtiest players of all time, and I'm into this because that's 
why I played to be dirty when they told me that I could go to school for free and potentially get an NFL pension for beating the shit out of people and taping up my mitts. I was in. Uh, so top five dirtiest players of all time. Number one, Bill Romanowski. Number two, Vontez Burfitt. Number three, Conrad Dobler. Number four, Indomitian Sue. And number five, Incognito. Richie. Um, I played against Richie many times. He's a dirty son of a bitch. He needs to be higher on this. I don't think Vontez Burfitt... Deserves to be on this list. I put Ray Lewis over Vontae. I don't think Vontez Burfitt is a true tough guy. I think he's a telephone tough guy. I think it's only, it, it, it suits him to be tough when the other guy's weak. When the other guy's tough going against him, he acts like a bitch. Uh, Bill Romanowski's certifiably crazy. He can be on the list. Conrad Dobler invented dirty play. Um, I put Chuck Bednarik on this list. I wouldn't say he's dirty, but he's definitely nasty. Lawrence Taylor was a big nasty son of a bitch. So, there's a lot of guys. And Dominican Sue, there's another guy who's a cheap shot, you know, kind of a kind of a con artist, tough guy. He's always stepping on somebody or acting like an asshole. I don't really think that he's that much of a tough dude. But Richie Incognito can be on this list. He's a real psycho, but he's truly dirty. And Conrad Dobler, for sure. Bill Romanowski, cool. Sue, cool. Vontaze Burfitt, kick fucking rocks. I'm sure we could find somebody better. Rodney Harrison, maybe. He played hard. I wouldn't say it was dirty. Junior say I'll play hard. I wouldn't say it was dirty. A lot of people who would say they were dirty are probably soft. Just keep that in mind. So there's your top five dirtiest players of all time. I, who else could be on the list? Uh, ah, shit, man. Dirty players. Just filthy dirty player. Albert Hainsworth. But he was hardly a player. He just stepped on Dre's head. But I, I, I don't think he was much of a football player. He looked like a football player. Looked like Tarzan played like Jane. Fat Tarzan. Um, I don't know. There's a, Larry Allen was a real nasty son of a bitch. Eric Williams, the tackle for the Cowboys, was a super nasty. Ask Reggie White. Uh, God bless his soul. But, you know, there's, there's top five. And if you'd like to get a little conversation on who is the nastiest of the nasty, remember Bill Romanowski, Vontez Burford at two, Conrad Dobler at three, and Dominican Sue at four, Richie Incognito at five, uh, at BSN Unchained, and it'll, I'll give you a little feedback if you can reach out to me. All right, now, I also came across this. Now, this is interesting because it's two different drafts, okay? So the draft where Jamarcus Russell went first overall, they took Jamarcus Russell one, and the next four picks after him, or four of the next first-round picks, were Calvin Johnson, Joe Thomas, Adrian Peterson, and Darrell Rivas. Is that worse, or or in the Troy Aikman draft where he went number one to the Cowboys, I think in 89, Tony uh, Mandarich, the big tackle for Michigan State, who was the end-all, be-all of offensive linemen and just an absolute steroid freak, he went second, and they took him over Barry Sanders, Derek Thomas, and primetime, Deion Sanders, which is worse. Calvin Johnson's a Hall of Famer. Joe Thomas is a Hall of Famer. Adrian Peterson is a Hall of Famer. And Darrell Rivas, ex-teammate of mine, even though he's a schmuck, is a Hall of Famer. Aikman's a Hall of Famer. Barry's a Hall of Famer. Derek Thomas is a Hall of Famer. And primetime's a Hall of Famer. And I would say that primetime and Barry Sanders are two of the guys considered the best ever at their positions. So is it, I don't know which list is better. I know I don't know which pick is worse. I, I think that at least Tony Moran, uh, Mandarich played for eight to ten years and actually was a uh, uh, you know a 
serviceable NFL player, Jamarcus Russell spent all of his money on fucking scissor up and bitches and strip clubs and rims and shit and, you know, reported to camp at 290 pounds. I don't know if you could find a worse draft pick in history than that fucking turd right there, Jamarcus Russell. So I'm going to go with Russell being worse over uh, Tony uh, Mandarich, but Tony was bad for his time. The Packers picked him over Barry Sanders. Can you imagine Brett Favre having Barry Sanders? Just think about that shit. That, that would have been nuts. Or Brett Favre having a pass rushing presence like Derek Thomas instead of having to go get Reggie White. Or Brett Favre having prime time. Just think about it because they, they traded for Brett Favre in the early 90s after he phased out in Atlanta. And, you know, he tore up Green Bay and, and was great for them for years. And if you would have given him another superstar, you know, God knows how many Super Bowls they would have played in or won. They gave him Reggie White and he went to two back-to-back. All right, so again, if you'd like to chime in on that, Jamarcus Russell or Tony uh, Mandarich, which one's worse? And then, you know, who would you take out of those four? Would you take Calvin, Joe, Peterson, and Revis? Or would you take Aikman, Sanders, DT, and Primetime? I don't know. At BSN uh, Unchained on Twitter, or you can give us some feedback here at your choice. All right, so moving on, all right? First and, or, uh, not first and foremost, I guess it would be second and foremost, uh, Tenth and Uni. Go to TenthandUni.com or at Tenth and Uni on Twitter and Instagram and check it out. Nice little University of Colorado shirt I'm wearing today from Tenth and Uni. They got some great hats as well. Uh, my wife just got hooked up by them as well. Great uh, women's hat to wear to all the Buff games this year. Uh, check it out. Use the promo code GoBuffs and it'll get you hooked up uh, with all that swag, uh, specifically for Buff fans, which is why I'm pushing it. Uh, so check them out. They're our title sponsor for the season. All right, now let's go straight into the Broncos here. We're going to talk about the bus on the uh, on episode 41. We'll pretty much be all Buffaloes, and we'll be wrapping up the Hall of Fame game as well. All right, so look, as always, our uh, our NFL banter is brought to you by our friends at NeuroXPF.com. My man Kyle Turley, uh, a great NFL veteran, first-round draft pick out of San Diego State, played many years. Uh, he could be on that dirty player list, but I didn't think he was dirty. I thought he was just a nasty bastard, which is one of the reasons why I tried to model my game after him. Um, he could definitely be on the list, though. Some people put him on it. Uh, he, they, he helps bring us this, neuroxpf.com. Check it out. Use the promo code 6015, and you'll get a nice little discount. Uh, but the MCT oil pills and the, the CBD-based uh, recovery products uh, and performance products they have are, are extreme. XPF means extreme performance fuel, and it's truly that. It's helped me a ton uh, since my career's ended. And, and, you know, rather taking these products right here, you know, just like, we'll show you this. These ones right here, this is the, uh, the Neuro XPF gummies. These are awesome. There's 30 of them, 750 milligrams. Uh, total 25 milligrams one, uh, a capsule. I took three of these about an hour ago. I feel great. There's no THC in it, so it, it won't test positive for anything. So check it out, neuroxpf.com. They bring you our Broncos camp banter. All right, number one, the offensive line. All right, so my man Elijah Wilkinson, who's an undrafted player going into his third year, all right, a guy we've worked with a ton here at 6-0, great kid, is pushing Garrett Bowles for his job, and he should. I know Garrett's improved under Cooper and Munchak's tutelage, but in my opinion, Garrett Bowles is a mental cripple. I think he's a window licker. I don't think he's going to be able to consistently, you know, play chess with his opponent. He's a constant checkers player. 
So if he's constantly playing checkers and he only understands what he's doing, he's going to get us beat. Elijah's played all the different uh, positions up front, so he knows what it's like to play a guard and, and to get beat. He knows what it's like to play right side and get beat. So he understands what he has to do to get better. Him pushing bowls at left tackle the way he has and for the coaches to come out and, and kind of say he's been the bright spot on the offensive line up to this point is huge. Garrett's going into his his uh, his rookie contract re-up. They didn't pick up his option, so this is his make-it-or-break-it year. And I don't see him coming back unless he has a Pro Bowl season and the Broncos, you know, play well. I could honestly see Elijah taking his job. I could see Dalton Reiser taking his job. I could see them moving Juwan James to the left side. I don't think the five guys you see right now are necessarily the five that they're that are going to take us to the playoffs, if that's where the Broncos are going to go. We'll talk about that in a minute. But they've got to figure out the left tackle. And since Ryan Clady hurt his knee playing basketball all those years ago, when I was on the team, for God's sakes, we've struggled. We haven't had a left tackle. So they've got to fix this. And if they don't fix it, it's going to be a massive problem the entire season. So I, I see Elijah doing big things, man. I think I think Wilkinson is going to take people's jobs, whether he takes a guard's job or he takes a, a tackle's job. He's taking somebody's fucking job. He played great last year when he got his opportunity. He's super versatile. He's long. He's a nasty bastard. And he's undrafted. And I'll tell you, undrafted guys, we think differently. We look at draft picks as targets. I'm trying to take his fucking lunch money. And that's the way Elijah thinks, so it's pretty cool. Uh, the rest of the offensive line, it's good to see Reisner selling out and kicking ass the way he is at left guard. People are raving about him. Sam Jones has got the, the second group running full tilt, and there's a lot of competition in that second group, so that's a good thing. Uh, McGovern's been playing well at center. Not great. we got to get the snap up. It's something we'll work on, but good. Uh, he knows what he needs to fix. So I, I think that there's a lot of potential there for the offensive line moving forward, even though it's a, it's a unit that's been maligned. I know what they have. I've worked with a lot of them. I think that they have the potential to be pretty good, especially with the backs they have and the scheme. The scheme fits this group. I don't know if last year's scheme was as good, although they were like fifth or sixth in the, in the NFL in rushing. So I think that they just need to feed the backs more, and then the running game will be through the roof. All right, number two, what are we going to do at middle linebacker and with the defensive tackles? So not taking a defensive tackle high, I get it. You have Derek Wolf and, you know, the other guys that rotate in. But there's no game breaker there. And good pass rushers are better with interior push. And then Todd Davis going down with a four-week calf tear and not going out and signing a veteran, that's fine. You don't have to sign a veteran, but who do we have backing him up? We've notoriously struggled trying to find somebody to cover tight ends out of the backfield in Denver. Hopefully, Sua Cravens can develop into that guy, but he wasn't last year. That's for damn sure. You know, Jamal Carter being back and healthy, can he be that guy? Who's going to step up and be the guy that can step in and cover? It's one of the reasons why I was so pissed off that Wesley Woodyard was, you know, 86th out of Denver as fast as he was. He's still playing for Tennessee, still a captain, still covering up tight ends. Last year in that Tennessee-New England game in Tennessee, Woodyard was all over Gronkowski. It was one of his worst games as a pro because Wesley was just whooping his ass the whole game. So sometimes you've got to really look at what you've got and not let it leave. Trevathan, Malik Jackson, Wesley Woodyard, guys of that nature because they are elite players other places, number one. And then number two, I, I like Wolf as a player, but Wolf's a two-gap you know, run stopper. He's not a pass rusher. And I know he helps Vaughn with the with the you know inside grab of the collar, the tackle, and they've been working together for a long time. I'm not saying get rid of the guy. I'm saying that he doesn't need to be on the field when we're going you know even 
two three techniques and two wide fives or a wide nine and a wide five trying to get after the quarterback. We need to have people on the field that can actually fucking pass rush. That's all I'm saying. So I I think that there's a massive opportunity for a lot of guys. The, the linebacking core, the second-level linebacking core, not the pass rushers, and then the interior defensive line, I think there's a huge opportunity for somebody to arise as a leader and arise as a guy who could play here for a long time. I'm still waiting to replace Al Wilson. I'm still waiting to replace Malik Jackson, period. Um, yeah, I said Al Wilson. Could the outlaw Josie Jewell be that guy? One never knows. All right, three, Joe fucking Flacco. Okay, Flacco's going to be as good as the offensive line in the running game is, period. If there is no running game and the offensive line does not step up to the plate the way that they need to, we are going to get killed. Killed. It's going to be a disaster. And the Broncos are probably going to end up 2-14, and 4-12, and 12, and people are going to be pissed. If the offensive line in the running game can control the line of scrimmage, control the top, the T.O.P., the time of possession, and he can fall back into the what made him successful in Baltimore, which is... You know, no more than 25, 30 throws a game, a lot of play action, heavy tight end, heavy back, a lot of run game, good defense, limit turnovers, and don't beat yourself. If that's what we get in Denver, Denver's going to be pretty good, period, because you're in a division where Carr's a gunslinger and takes a lot of chances. Phyllis Rivers is a gunslinger and takes a lot of chances. You know he can't fucking hit a target. The guy's got nine, or he can hit a target. He's got nine kids. And then Mahomes is coming off of a 50-touchdown year, and he's about as good as they get, but you can only throw the ball across your body so many times in the NFL until you're fucked. So there's a lot of gunslingers. If we play conservative and within ourselves, Denver has the best defense, and I don't even think it's close. So if we can figure out a way for the defense to help the offense, the running game to help the quarterback, and everybody to play complimentary football, I know it's lame, but I'd rather be boring and win 10 games than exciting and throwing the ball over the yard, but we can't fucking win anything. So we'll see what happens with Flacco. I'd like him to be here for a long time to set the table for Drew Locke. It's either going to be a one-year experiment or a four-year ride. It's not going to be two or three years. He's either going to be here for a while and they're going to win and, and go back to the playoffs and maybe a Super Bowl, or he's going to be G-O-N-E gone next year and Drew Locke's going to be the starter or whoever they draft if they are really that shitty. Um, number four, the secondary and the pass rush are totally and unequivocally elite. I think it's the best duo of, of defensive end pass rushers in the league. I don't even think it's close. Chubb is a Chubb is a young Khalil Mack, and Vaughn is Derek Thomas plus ten. So you know Vaughn's the best at what he does, and Chubb is going to turn into a physical specimen. The more he can study fifty two, it's such a great thing having Big Fangio here because he can he has the best of both worlds. He has an elite speed rusher and finesse rusher and Vaughn Miller, who's a game wrecker, and he's got an elite power rusher and. And absolute ass kicker and big body like he had in Mac in in uh, Bradley Chubb. So it's the best of both worlds. And then you sprinkle in Callahan and the the signing of the year, in my opinion, and Kareem Jackson. Kareem Jackson's a fucking monster. And Kareem Jackson has been a great player for the Texans for years. He's one of the best open field tacklers in football. He can play safety and corner. He can go down to the nickel. He can play the strong. He can play the free. He knows all the defensive systems. He's been around great defensive minds from Romeo Cornell on down. 
he's going to be a really good fit for Denver this year, and I, I love the signing. I absolutely love it. I think he's going to be a great fit. So if the second level can can play up to the pass, if the second level and defensive tackles can play up to the pass rushers in the secondary, they're going to kill people. They're going to destroy people. But then again, the offense has to play complementary football. Last year, the defense wasn't terrible. They were just put in so many bad situations, they couldn't recover. It got to the point where they're in quicksand. The harder they play and the harder they try and pull out, the deeper they fucking sink. This year, we can't start. I, I'd rather start slow. I'd rather start one and two than three and zero, oh, and thinking our shit don't sink, and then all of a sudden we're five or six and ten, five and eleven. I'd rather struggle a little bit at the beginning of the year and figure it out and go on a run. So the de- the defensive pass rush and the secondary and how opportunistic they're going to be from Chris Harris to. Yadam, who's been playing really well. The Callahan, who's obviously a, a slot corner but can go play big guys. I love it. I was listening to the fan the other day, and they were saying how Br- Bryce Callahan uh, is really struggling with big guys like Court Sutton, and then Court Sutton had like six plays against him in a row and didn't catch a fucking ball. So size can be a size can be a trick. Some of these guys look like Tarzan and play like Jane. All right, number five. NFL Network picked the Broncos to go two and fourteen, and then CBS, I think, picked them to go four and twelve. I, I don't know. Maybe my fan hat's on, but I think the Broncos win at least eight, and they're on the right path, you know, in the right direction up. But I could have my fan hat on. I don't know. They've got a ruthless schedule. Schedule includes. You know, Raiders Monday night, Bears are the home opener. They're at Green Bay, Jacksonville, the Chargers, the Titans, the Chiefs on Thursday, at the Colts, Browns, and then a bye. That's a whole bunch of teams that everybody thinks are going to be fighting for playoff spots, and Denver's not supposed to be one of those squads. So do I think they have the potential to make the playoffs? Absolutely, I do. I think they have a good roster. Do I think they will? No. I don't think they make the playoffs this year. I'd like them to finish 10 and 6. That would be ideal, but I guess we'll see. Uh, 8 and 8, 7 and 9, 9 and 7 is probably more feasible, but who knows. I you know, the the Monday night game um in Oakland is huge because we got just annihilated the last time we went to Oakland. They beat the shit out of us last year. And that's you want to get them underneath the boot. You know, you you don't want Oakland to have a one game lead on us right out the gate. So you, you want to start 1-0 there. But then the Bears and the Packers and Jacksonville, that's going to be tough a tough three-game stretch right there before you know, going to the Chargers and then home against the Titans and then the Thursday night against KC. So there's some good, good matchups there for the Broncos. It's just a matter of how they're going to game plan this and attack it and, and get better. One thing I love about Vic Fangio is I haven't heard yet. I haven't heard, oh, we've had a great practice and everything's looking great and we look fantastic and we just need to take it to the field now and everything's going to be fantastic and blah, fucking blah, blah. That's not the way it works, man. In college, talent beats a lack of. Alabama is going to win the majority of their games because they're better than their opponent. In the NFL, everyone's pretty much equal. There's good players on every team game planning and coaching and getting your guys right and what you're teaching them during the week and the ability to constructively criticize without controlling your players. That's what separates off or uh, uh, guys in the NFL that can win and guys that can't. Bill Belichick is one of the few coaches that can totally control every aspect of his football team, but then allow Tom Brady to control how it operates, essentially. So he's very hands-on, but he's also very hands-off. 
And that's very rare. Most guys can either be totally hands-off or they're a player's coach and they're letting the players figure it out. So I think Fangio has a little bit of both. And, you know, the godfather has easily commanded the respect of everybody in the room and the media seems to like him and he's not sugarcoating anything. He's very cut and dry, which is what this team needs, to say the least. All right, so... Well, I'm not going to take any more of your time here. 23 minutes quick here uh, on episode 40 of McChesney Unchained. We'll get back to you uh, after the Hall of Fame game. We'll talk about the Buffs and them opening training camp, getting ready for the CSU Rams. The uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers and the Air Force Falcons to start the season off 3-0. and And then we'll talk about the Broncos and everything we saw in the Hall of Fame game. And Mr. Bowen and Champ getting inducted. And why in the fuck isn't Steve Water in the Hall of Fame? Steve Atwater in the Hall of Fame yet, what are you doing? Or Randy Gratishar, or God knows how many other guys. Uh, but they'll get there eventually. Uh, it was a great show. Episode 40 is in the books. Thanks so much, folks, for watching. We're out.